my privilege now to uh, invite a man that we've been trying to get here for about two years. Finally, the pieces came together. This man's been a heavy equipment operator, safety trainer, many different things. But uh, God has really got a hold of this man's life and transformed his life and is still transforming his life. Would you please make welcome from Lac La Biche, Alberta, Mr. Don Menard. Well, well, I made it to Yorkton, first time. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, Yorkton. <laughs> wow. Nice crowd. I'm uh, very glad to be here, and I feel very privileged to, uh, to be here to represent our Lord Jesus with the Full Gospel Businessmen Association. And, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an established biker, <laughs> and I've, uh, I was a biker in the world, and I'm a biker for Jesus. And, you know, Jesus loves bikers, too. <laughs> Amen, Ace. So, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm uh, from Lac La Biche, Alberta, and uh, I was born back in 1950, and I've been around for, uh, well, 66 years, and uh, it's been rough and rocky traveling, but I finally standing on my ground, and, you know, I, I was born in Edmonton, Alberta, and I was born to uh, a couple of parents that were you know, lowly educated, and, and they did the best they could, though God bless them, and uh, they had drinking issues and all that sort of thing, and we were raised on Skid Row in Edmonton, and the first 10 years of my life was uh, very enlightening, to say the least. I, I grew up with gangs and crime and violence, alcohol and drugs, and all the other things that go with that sort of thing, and I mean, you know what goes on in, uh, in on the Skid Row areas, and uh, by the time I was nine years old, I was skipping school and shoplifting and, and, and running around with a gang, a street gang at nine years old, greasing my hair back, thinking I was cool. And You know, uh, by the time I was 10, I'd been in reform school two times for shoplifting and running away from the police and resisting arrest. And Man, it just wasn't a, wasn't a good start. My dad seen that I was getting in trouble, and he was having trouble too with drinking and things. And We moved away from Edmonton to a small town in, in Alberta, and, and, uh, and I, I got introduced to country life and country people and, and small town life and small town people, and I got a real eye-opening there because I thought I was some kind of a tough street kid, and uh, I bumped shoulders with one of the kids in school one day. He said, after school, man, I said, you bet, and I got a real clean trim and real quick. <laughs> it didn't take him long to clean me up. <laughs> I'm just going to take this out of here. Yeah, so I, uh, I made a good friend out of him because he was tough. Eh? <laughs> Needed an ally there, and I met his whole family, and we're still friends today, and good friends, and that was an interesting time. And, uh, you know, we were only in that small town for about three years. Work petered out. Dad had to go back to the city, and so we moved back when I was about 14. And uh, right back into the city center again and uh, right into the action. And, of course, now being 14, I was a little bigger, a little stronger, a little wiser, not much wiser. Not much wiser. Started running with the gangs again and, and started drinking at 14 and drinking hard, not just messing with it a little bit, and experimenting with drugs a little bit, but, you know, not a whole lot, but the drinking was really getting out of hand. And we would uh, we'd do just anything to get drunk and pass out or whatever. And it, it was not good. Uh, when I was about 16 or 17, uh, 
I started, you know, we start working, I'm going to high school, and I finished grade 11, and I, I didn't have much interest in going back to school. I figured I might go back to 12, but that summer I got a job and bought a car, and that was the end of my education process. I was just, I just wanted to go live my life and drive my car and, and chase girls and, you know, do everything a 17-year-old boy or 18-year-old boy wanted to do, so I, I just, that's what I did. I just took off, got wilder and wilder, and my mom, she was just worried about me. She was worried sick to death about me because I was hanging with the wrong people and I was getting a criminal record for different assaults and, you know, criminal charges for driving and and drunk driving and, and fighting. and <laughs> It was hard on her. It was hard on her. And uh, well, I just continued going on with it anyway. I, I got up through, I was about 18, 19 years old and I was running hard with uh, with a lot of other guys who had the same kind of abilities. We come from the same place and we had the same idea that all there is for you in life is what you got here. You can work, you can drink and party, you know. Work is kind of necessary because you need money to do what you got to do. And so we just kept going on, on that route. When I was about 21, I started noticing bikers and motorcyclists hanging around this one particular bar we used to frequent in Edmonton. And uh, so I kind of got to know a couple of those guys. Man, these guys are interesting. And I don't know, I don't care who you are. Everybody in the world has a feeling that they need to belong to something. Be part of something. It can be the Rotary Club or the Lions Club or, in my choice, was a Harley Davidson Motorcycle Club. A hardcore club. Number, you know, one percenters were hanging around there. And I liked what they did. I liked how they lived. And I figured that's the answer for me. I can get everything I need, everything I want is right there. And it looks pretty romantic from the outside. And I wanted all of it. And I got into it full hardcore. I, I joined up. I was what they call a prospect, which is a person that's trying to prove, his, prove himself to the club, that he's good enough that they can probably bring him in as a member. So I, I went through all the paces of getting that. And I became a full-blown member. And I ran with the club for years. And I... Um, I had a lot of altercations that were that should have taken my life through those times, and uh, you know, between guns and fighting and and knives and battles and motorcycle racing and accidents and all sorts of things, in and out of the hospital all the time, but all the time, but I always survived them all. I don't know why. And sometimes, you know, there'd be trouble between clubs, and. For some reason, I'd be called away to go to somewhere else the day before or something, and the club would come down on our club, and everybody would be wind up go to the hospital. Everybody beat, you know, everybody gets beat up. And I come back, and I, boy, I wasn't there. Another time, we're out on a run, and we were having a great big old party at our camp, and the girl I was with wanted to go into town to get something. So okay, I'll run her into town. As I was running in, people were going out to where our camp was, and. We got what we wanted. When we came back in, it was all over. These guys had come out with a van, and they had guns, and they thought we had done something to some of their members, and uh, they were in there. They would come out to shoot everybody down to the ground. We, they managed to talk their way out of it, but I, was, I wasn't anywhere near that either. I just, some reason, I was protected from all that, and that was all through my life. I was going through an intersection one time, and I went for my brakes, and the brakes failed on my bike. And there was a car coming from the right, so I shot for the hard left side of that intersection as hard as I could go, and I just got in front of him. I just passed him. Missed him by inches. Close call. I had lots of those. I went through an intersection one time. I was racing with a guy, and neither one of us was let up, and there's a red light ahead of us. And I'm looking at him. He's looking at me, and we're not letting off, and we're flying. 
And he went around one car, and I went around the other. I banged my left foot on the bumper of the car and kind of swung around it and got through there. Broke my foot, but I should have died. I could have easily, but I didn't. Something was watching over me. All my life, stuff like that was going on. But I'm running with this club, and I get introduced to drugs. And drugs are easy money, lots of it. But it also introduces something else. It introduces a life of paranoia, a life of... Uh, of uh, of, of fear of everybody else around you because everybody's against you when you're in that position except your brothers and your brothers in the club. But the other clubs want what you got. The police don't want what you to do what you're doing. Society doesn't want anything to do with you. So the whole world's pretty much against you except your own people. It's a tough way to live. You're looking over your shoulder all the time. Your phone is bugged. They'll stop you for any reason, haul you in, go through you, give you the third degree. That's questions with force. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, it's cut you loose and the next day pick you right back up again. It's, it's miserable. It's miserable. But we think and we're running, we're living the life, man. We're living the life. We are everything. We're free. We think we're free. <laughs> well, as far as we were concerned, it couldn't get any better than that. So we just kept running hard. Now I'm up in my 30s now, still running hard, running hard, running hard. Moved to Fort McMurray, uh, went up to work in the Harley shop up there. A friend of mine opened up his shop in 1982. I was 32 years old. Went to work up there for him, and, and uh, he promised me a brand new motorcycle if I'd work for him for the whole summer. Yeah, that sounds good. He gave me room and board, a thousand bucks a month, and uh, I'll give you a new bike at the end of the year. I said, Ooh, that sounds really good to me. So up I go up to Fort McMurray. Well, this place is booming. I mean, there's more drugs up there than I've ever seen in my life, and money everywhere, and people just going way too fast. It was dangerous, and I loved it. And so I'm working, and we're working pretty hard because the shop's busy, and uh, I get to know a lot of other people, and I worked there a couple of years. I went to Fairview College. I got a motorcycle training certificate from there, and, and uh, uh, on the third year I was with him, he moved into another building because he took on another franchise. Uh, he took on a Suzuki franchise, and he bought another. He got another mechanic, and he got another uh, parts man, and uh, a bigger building, more overhead, and uh, he's expanding. And I thought, well, that's okay, but I, you know, I wasn't too fussy about it. But, but uh, just then, the, one of the major oil companies in Fort Murray had a strike. It was Suncor had a strike in '85, uh, and everybody started just backed off. Nobody was spending money. Everybody was holding their money. Maybe the other ones are going to shut down too, and. So there's no business coming in the door. And the shop started to hurt, and he finally had to say, i got to shut it down. So he phoned Suzuki, and he phoned Harley-Davidson, and he said, come on, get your stuff, and, you know, take it back. I, I'm going under, so before I die completely, I want you guys to take your stuff, and we'll just even it out, whatever. And he said to me, Don, they, uh, well, he called me Trooper. He said, Trooper, man, you know, you, uh, you're going to have to find a job because the shop's closing down. I said, okay, well... I know a few people up here now. I've been up here three years, and I'll see what I can do. And I went and drove a taxi for a while. I never thought I'd ever do that, but it kind of, you know, paid the bills, kind of. I was still dealing drugs on the side, and that kind of paid the bills, but most of the time it just supported my own habit. And those drugs were getting me down bad, man. And uh, I, uh, I got a job, though. I got a job with a major oil company called St. Crude, and... Uh, I was running out, learning, training me how to run heavy equipment out there, the biggest stuff in the world. And I thought, oh, this is really great, and lots of money. Wow, I couldn't believe the kind of money they were paying. And, of course, you know, lots of money freed me up to have lots of drugs, 
lots more drugs and run wild. You know, we tell who we were. We were just we had lots of days off because we'd work six days and then we get six off and six days on, six days off, and we had lots of time off and lots of money to spend it on all the wrong things. But all the time it was wearing me down. All the time it was literally killing me. Well, I worked for them for nine years, and I got terminated. I lost that job because of the drugs and my attitude and mistakes and, and my mouth. Everything was just wrong. My family started saying, oh, you know what, Don, we've been trying to help you for years, and you're just a mess. Don't come around us anymore. We don't want you coming here. You're, you, you're dangerous, and, and, and we don't like how you are. You know, we love you, Don, but we don't want you coming around. Don't come around anymore. And I, you know, okay, well, whatever. I knew I'd lost something majorly important in that job, and now I was losing my family and respect from even peers, even other riders, because I was messed up, like seriously messed up on drugs, sick to a point of being sick all the time and still doing more and more anyway. Be out of control. And you think, I can quit this anytime. I got control over this. Well, you know, I ran into Kathy when I was like around 34, 40 or something. What was it? 40? <laughs> 40 years of running hard. I'd never been married. I had one kid somewhere. You know, I knew, of, I knew where he was, but, you know, I wasn't responsible for him. I wasn't responsible for anything. Not even myself. Oh, but, you know, uh, I met Kathy, and we, like she said, we had a, had a baby, and whoa, that kind of shook me. There's a human being that I'm responsible for, and I kind of felt something in my heart, like I, I kind of really wanted to be around to see this kid grow up, you know, but she couldn't handle my lifestyle either because I was too irresponsible, and I was never there for her, and I'd disappear for days on end, and she'd say, where were you? I'd say, it's none of your business. You just mind your own business. I know what I'm doing. So she had to go her own way. And her and the baby went away, and I was on my own and just living in a little scruffy trailer down by the river and still doing drugs and still trying to make a living with drugs now because I had no job. And I couldn't even get the trust from the drug dealers anymore to, to get something. We call it fronted. They give you some drugs, you sell it, and then you give them the money for it. And I couldn't even get a front anymore. I was that bad. But I, uh, I found some work, and I made some money, and I, I started going to church a little bit because Kathy would invite me. She said, you know, it's a good idea if you go to church because you've got nothing else going on in your life. You may as well come and see what they have for you. And she knew what was there, but I had never seen anything about church in my life. A little bit of Salvation Army on the streets of Edmonton. You know, one time I was out at Olds, Alberta, at a ride for, ride for sight benefit ride and on the Sunday morning after partying for two or three days I was riding across the field and there was a Christian motorcyclist tent set up there and this beautiful music was coming out of there they were praying praise and worship music over a loudspeaker maybe it was live and I'm riding along and I, I was just looking for something to straighten my head out and go for a get a coffee or a beer or something you know and and this music come right into my head and I stopped and I shut my bike off and I was sitting there listening to it and they were about maybe 100 feet from me. And it was just soothing me. I, just, I could just feel release and a kind of a peace come on to me. And I went, what is that? And then these guys that were in there, they're these Christian guys, right, started walking toward me. And, Uh-oh, and I fired up and I took off, man. <laughs> I'm not talking to those guys. There's something there. It's weird. So anyway, 
But, it, you know, I, I, Kathy noticed a difference in me. Okay, we weren't together yet either at that time. We were, she was with some other guy, but we were partying together. And we went into the city, into Edmonton, and they went to party in this apartment. I, I wasn't, I didn't join in. I had to get away and just go sit on the couch and think about that episode in that field. And she saw a difference. She saw something that happened. Anyway, we... After that, we got, we got very close together. We had the baby, and I, I knew I wanted to be something more than I was for that kid, but I couldn't help myself. I was addicted, and a drug addict can't help himself. A drug addict is a drug addict, and a drug addict is controlled by his habit. As much as you want to say, oh, no, you can just stop. No, you can't. Your body craves it. Your mind is tuned to the point where you need this in order to live to have your next breath, to survive. And I realized that I was in trouble because I couldn't, like I thought I could, I couldn't quit. And the harder I tried, the worse it got. Everything escalated, and I was spiraling downhill. Because every time I'd have an episode with drugs, it wasn't just for a couple hours, it was for a couple days, or three days. And then you have a hangover process, you know, where you're trying to recover. And every time I did, it was worse and worse and worse. And uh, when I did have a lucid moment and I would go to church, I would hear a message about the love of Jesus, about salvation, about hope, about, you know, everybody gets a chance. Everybody gets a chance. Everybody gets a chance. I don't, I won't get a chance, man. No, no, I, I'm not worthy of any of that. I, that's not for me, that's for good people. Not for this, not for me. I was, I was uh, at the end of my rope. Anyway, I went to a, to a drug house, crack house uh, in Fort Mac there with $1,500 in my pocket. I came out three days later owing money and just wrecked. And I didn't even, I don't even remember leaving there or half the time that I was in there. I just woke up back at my little trailer down by the river and uh, laying on the floor, and it was all dirty, and there were dirty ashtrays and beer cans and garbage and dirty dishes, and <laughs> and I was dirty, and uh, I was trying to get up. I couldn't even get up. I couldn't even lift my head off the floor. It was spinning, and I was freezing at one minute and then burning up the next minute, pins and needles everywhere, and, and my heart was racing so fast I thought it was going to come out of my chest, and I could barely breathe. It was just, everything was so constricted from the abuse, from the drugs and the smoking and the drinking. And, and th my body was worn out. And I thought, this is it. You're done at this time, Mr. Don. You're done. You're going to die right here on the floor. You're done. You're finished. I figured I was. I was sure I was, this was my last breath. I was breathing on the last breaths. As I'm laying there, what am I going to do? I'm crying. I'm crying. Lord, I... Lord, this Lord, this Lord that Kathy talks about, I heard about in church, Lord, I need help. I want to be a good dad for that little boy. He's so beautiful. I want to be a good husband for Kathy. She's beautiful, and I love her. And I, I need help because I can't, I can't help myself. I need you to help me, Lord. I need you to help me. Please help me. And I, and I, I passed out again and, and uh, woke up sometime later and managed to get off the floor and go to lay in a bed for a while. Takes hours and then days to get on your feet after something like that. You're just burnt out. So I, 
Anyway, after two or three days, I was moving around a little better, and I managed to get some food in me and started moving around, thinking, well, I better get straightened out here. Man, that was, that was tough. That was a close call. I mean, I, I guess I'm going to be okay. I went out, started moving around, got some fresh air, and went around applying for a job, and I got a job. And uh, I was straightened out for a few days, and I told, I phoned Kathy, and I told her that I'd talked to this God, you know, just about looking at, like, helping me out, and, and, and uh, I'm not sure if he's, if he's going to or not, but at least I talked to him, and I wanted you to know that I did talk to him, <laughs> and she was kind of pleased with that, you know, she was uh, and, and thinking that, well, maybe he's going to give his life over to Christ, so anyway, I, about a month went by, I got busy with a job, and I was working lots of days with very few days off, and making some money, and and I realized something, like after a month or so, there was no cravings for a drink or for a drug or anything. It was like, it was completely gone. And I, and I, I, I would think about doing it, and it was like, ugh, I don't even want to go there. I, 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 what is this? And I realized I'd been healed. Healed, right? Just, just simply a, a lost burned out biker, drug addict, no good to anybody, laying on the floor in garbage, God heard him and said, all right, I'll heal you, and cleared me up, man. Within six months, I was like, I could run a race. I was strong. I felt good. I told Kathy, I said, we're going to church, man. And when, when I wasn't working on Sundays, I was going to church, and I wanted to learn about this God that saved me and healed me up. I felt great, better than I'd ever felt. For years, I felt good. I, I, I felt something. When I'd go to church, I, f I would feel, well, the beginnings of hope were there. That, you know, maybe I could have a good life. And when I was growing up, you know, I'd see people with the fancy cars and the big houses and the f nice clothes, and you know, I will never have any of that, you know. Eh, you will never have any of that. You're, you're not worthy of any of that. And I started thinking, oh, why not me? Why can't I have that stuff? I'm starting to talk to God, and this pastor says, you can have the desires of your heart. What? Yeah. He says, my desires of my heart. Yeah? Says, yeah. Whoa. Well, you know, like, uh, I'd like a good life. You know? He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. You'll get, serve God, number one, first in your life, and all this other stuff will come to you. Wow. So I was pretty straightened out, and I got a, a fairly good job and working for a contractor that worked for the same sink crew that I'd been working for before, but we were just a manpower supply. We were running their equipment with their supervision, but I was still back in the mine and making half-decent money. These contractors don't make as much as the regular as the uh, oil company employees, but anyway, I was happy to be working there, and I got a good job. And I worked a couple of years for this contractor, and one of the managers at sink uh, that ran that particular team. There was four teams, and I was on team one. Uh, he called me in one day, and he said, I want to have a talk with you. And I said, what's up? He said, well, you know, the morale of our team has really picked up since you came around here. I said, well, that, that's because I go to church, and, uh, you know, I pray a lot. <laughs> he says, what's I got? Yeah, I said, yeah, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm a born-again Christian, man. You? I said, yeah, man. He says, well, yeah. I mean, I, he says, well, yeah, well, I go to church too, but, I mean, I... You know, it doesn't make me feel like you're feeling. It doesn't make me act like you're acting. I says, well, maybe you need to get a little more closer to God. You know, maybe, maybe you just need a little bit, come a little bit closer to God, you know. And, uh, and he said, well, yeah, maybe you're right. He says, but, but, but the reason I want to talk to you is because 
I mean, this team's morale is up because you're, you're just positive all the time. You're, you're just Mr. Happy out there. And, and I know what you were like before when you worked for it. You were a miserable piece of action, man. Nobody wanted nothing to do with you. And I said, well, yeah, that was the old Don. The new Don is a born-again Christian who loves Jesus, and he put hope in my life. He said, oh, that's good, man. He said, that's good. Awesome. Jesus is awesome. So I, when I'd go to church, I would just feel this presence in there, and I would go, wow, this is better than any drug I ever had in my life. I want more of this. The more I can get of this, the better my life is going to be, and the better everybody's life around me is going to be, and anybody that I can get in contact with, because he is the answer to everything in our life. So, you know, I was, this is about a year and a half, and I'm pretty happy about being a Christian and getting this good job, and me and Kathy are getting along good, you know, and baby's fine, and boy, things are working pretty good. You know, and uh, Pat says to me, um, this manager, we want you to come back to work for St. Crude. And I said, well, you know, Pat, when they, when they can, you know, when they terminate a guy with uh, severance pay, you gave me a lump of money, man. I blew it all, but, you know, there's a policy in place with this company that says they don't hire people back. He says, well, we'll see what we can do about that. Fill out a, an, a, an application form and, and give us a, a resume. So, well, I'll do Alex, sure, I'll do that. And, of course, it got rejected because a lot of the guys that were in HR and, and people that looked through all that sort of thing remembered the old Don Menard, and we don't want that action around here no more. But Pat went to bat for me. He said, we, I want him on my team, and I want this guy working for St. Crude. And, uh, I, and I said, you know, well, Pat, I mean, I, 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 you don't need to do that. He said, yeah, I'm doing that. Anyway, a, a couple days later, he packed up his briefcase, took all his personal stuff, put it in there, went into his boss's office and said, okay, all my gear's in there. Are you going to hire Don Menard or not? And they said, no, we're not hiring him. He said, well, then I'm out of here. And he said, you can't be serious, Pat. You're going to leave your job for that guy? He's worth it. I want him. He's good for St. Crude. He's good for my team. And he's good for me. And I want him. And, and it turned around. They said, okay, they had to actually go change policy and offer me a job. God replaced what the enemy had stolen. You know, that really kicked my hope level up a couple notches. Now I've got a synchronous job with a pension and a salary and benefits and guaranteed. It felt pretty darn good, you know. It felt pretty darn good. But I was still going to church and God's still working on me. And there's this guy that come down to this little Native Christian Fellowship Church that wasn't, he wasn't a white guy. And as a biker, a Harley biker, you're kind of ground into you that the only people you really want to associate with are white bikers, right, you know. So I was prejudiced and I was racist and, you know, if you weren't white riding a Harley, you didn't rate. And some of that was kind of cleaned up on me, but I was still new Christian. And I liked the pastor that was there, but he had trouble in his family and he had to leave town. And uh, that little Native Christian Fellowship Church was a, an affiliate of the Alliance Churches and so the Alliance Church up on the hill would send an elder down on Sundays to preach and take the place of the lost pastor. And I come into church that morning, and here's this East Indian guy up here going to preach. I said, what's up with that? 
You know, well, never mind. Shut up. Sit down. Listen. See what he's got to say. Said, yeah. Okay. Whatever. You know. Got attitude. Bad. Bad attitude, man. You know. And the guy starts preaching, and he starts talking about Jesus Christ. He starts talking about him living on earth and how he lived and he loved us and he taught and he blessed and he healed and he drove out demons. I'm going, whoa, this guy's hot on fire for Jesus. And then he started talking about salvation and crucifixion and all the good things that Jesus did and why he did them. And I'm listening to that and I'm going, wow, yeah, that's right. That's me, man. He did all that for me. And I was excited. And I thought, well, yeah, but I don't want to talk to the guy. But I was going to go tell him I enjoyed what he had to say. And then you know what? We couldn't even talk. We just started approaching each other. We kind of looked at each other's eyes. We started hugging each other, just hugging each other. And I mean, that's, <laughs> I said to him after, I said, man, I never thought I'd be hugging a guy like you. And he said, no, I never thought I'd be hugging a guy like you either. <laughs> but I, you know what? I feel something in there. And that's when I felt, and that's when I realized what it was that I felt in that church. All the time, whenever I was around Jesus praying or, or, or praying with Kathy, it was love, man. I never knew what love was when I was on the streets running in the clubs. Oh, we thought we had, yeah, I love you, bro. I love you, bro. No, you don't love me. You're going to rob me. You're going to rip me off. You're going to kill my buddies. You don't love nobody. You love yourself. Jesus loves me. And when I started seeing that love, and I said, now I want you to share that love with everybody. I said, oh, man, that's a big call. Well, how do you do that? You share the word. You share the gospel. We, uh, we had to leave Fort McMurray. I'm backing up again now, though. And we went to Grand. We wound up in Grand Prairie. Long story short, we wound up in Grand Prairie. And uh, the Alliance Church took us in there pretty good. We got picked up by the Christian Motorcycle Association in Grand Prairie. And those people fast-tracked us to Jesus. Boy, I tell you, it was a good trip. We were there a couple of years. We had another baby there. We got married there. Yeah, we were legitimate now, you know. When we first went, we weren't married. When we first went to Grand Prairie, and of course, we walked into the Alliance Church, and here I am all long-haired and whiskered, and I got my wife all tattooed up, and we got this baby and jeans and leathers, and they look at us like, oh, my God, what is this coming in our church, you know? And I'm coming in and saying, hey, how you doing? I'm a Christian. Glad to meet you. Name's Don. <laughs> They're going, ooh. <laughs> you know? And, 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 and the men kind of backed off, too. I don't know. Was that? Anyways, uh, we used to have to do, uh, everybody, if you had kids in nursery, you had to do a turn, right? You'd have to take a, a Sunday turn. Well, our turn came, you know. Kathy says, hey, we're doing nursery today. I said, what? <laughs> no, nah, I ain't not doing no nursery. I'm going to church to hear about Jesus, man. I'm not going to go do no nursery. You're coming to nursery, she said. Everybody has to do it. You're doing it. I said, eh, eh, eh. we go to church. We go to, we go to the church. We go to the nursery. Oh, man, there's all kinds of little kids running around. They're about four or five years old, and little girls, little boys, and what am I going to do with this? Kathy says, just talk to them. She's enjoying it. You know, over there. So there's a little table over here. And it's got four or five little girls sitting around it. And, and they got little chairs and they got little bowls and they got little cups and little saucers. They're having a tea party over there. So I go over there and say, what are you doing? We're having tea. I said, oh, good. Sit down, she says. We'll pour you some tea. I said, oh, well, okay. We've got a little tiny chair. You can hardly see it in. Crunched down on the chair, and I'm sitting there with this little cup, and they pour me something. Oh, thank you. Want a cookie? Oh, yes. Well, it's right there. Oh, okay. Print and cookie. And I go. So I had the cookie, and I'm playing with these kids, and we're just having fun. They're laughing, and I'm laughing, and all oh, the Spirit of God was all over us. We were just enjoying each other's company. And it was over. The kids all got, to, uh, got picked up by the parents. or down in the foyer, and everybody's milling around and meeting and talking about how wonderful the service was or whatever they're talking about. And 
And Kath and I come down the stairs from the nursery, and we're standing by the foyer just kind of watching what's going on. And that little blue-eyed girl that was sitting at our table with the curly hair that just wouldn't stay out of my lap come running over to me with her arms out and, and said, Don, running across the foyer. And her mother's going, no! <laughs> I scoop down, I pick her up, and I'm hugging her, and she's hugging me and kissing me. And, oh, she was so beautiful. And I took her over to her mom and said, man, you got a beautiful baby here. She just loves like Jesus loves. You know that? <gasps> she said, yeah, yeah. And that broke the ice in that church, you know. The people started to open up to us after that. It was beautiful. We were there a couple years, went back to Fort McMurray, started a chapter of uh, CMA, Christian Motorcyclist Association. They were successful, man. We had runs and parties, salvations, bringing people to the Lord, working again for Sing Crude. And things were just boiling. You know, we, we went back to, to Fort McMurray with zero money, zero credit, bad credit, no credit. I burnt up everything in my prior life, man, before Christ. Everything was gone. All we had was an old beat-up van. I couldn't even finance a toothbrush. <laughs> I mean it. Oh, it was, we were in bad shape financially. But we were getting healthier and stronger in the Lord every day. Every day. And uh, it turned out that uh, Kathy's dad had... had him and his wife had separated, and uh, he had a house, and he needed some money because he wanted to get remarried. He'd been separated for years and years, and he wanted to get remarried, need money for a wedding. And so he went to the bank, and he borrowed a whole bunch of money against the house and, and redid a mortgage, and then gave his ex-wife half, and he took his half and, and got remarried. And then with this, with this fresh mortgage, he came to us. And in Alberta, you can assume a mortgage. If the owner of the mortgage wants you to have it, he goes to the bank with you and just sign the mortgage over to you, and you're responsible for paying it. That's what he did for Kathy and I. So within a year of moving back to Fort McMurray, flat broke, we had a mortgage in our name, $250,000, house or something, doesn't matter, but a house, and but still no credit but we had a mortgage. And then my friend that used to hate me because I used to, he used to own uh, a shop there and I would go up there and just harass him bad. I was mean to him in the old life, man. And he hated me. I'd come into his shop, he'd go in the back. He wouldn't even say hi. So I went up to his shop to see him and tell him about my new life with Christ. And I, and I says, hey, how you doing? And you guys have heard about this guy. But anyway, he kind of, oh, no, not you. And I go over and I start talking to him this new man. He says, what happened to you? He says, I found Jesus, brother. No, no, what's all that about? You know, no, no, seriously. I'm a born-again Christian. I'm going to church. I'm cleaned up. I'm off the drugs. No more booze. I'm clear, man. I'm clear because Jesus is in my life. And I'm not just talking about a relationship that's just kind of half-handed. We have a first-hand, number one, from the heart, one-on-one -on -one relationship. Jesus and me and he wants one with you. No, I said, yeah, he does. And he was having some hard financial times, marital times, personal issues, health issues. Oh, he had no friends. People were coming down on him hard. And he needed, he, they'd, him and his wife had been rejected for a long time. And so in our start of our chapter of the CMA, Christian Bikers, some chapters from Edmonton and a couple other places, Grand Prairie, Came up to Fort McMurray to help us kick off our first little party we threw up there. Just a wiener roast and a fire and uh, an ice cream ride and just a good fellowship time to show Fort McMurray that Christian bikers are for real and Jesus is for real. 
So we got, we got into the community. Our church welcomed us all in. We had a great service. We invited Milan. We invited this fella and his wife to, along. And that, that ministry just loved on him and showed him Jesus in the flesh. L- loved on that guy to a point where he said, I can't believe how these people are. It is so refreshing to feel and be around people like this. This is amazing. And you know, it wasn't even a year that him and his wife came to the Lord. Got saved and refreshed completely. Their, the business went away. They lost the business, but it didn't matter because it was, they didn't need it. They had other things going on, and now they're living in Saskatoon, and they're very successful. They're doing great and still serving the Lord and doing things for the Lord. This was the change. This was the change. So we, uh, we, had, we had the sinker job. We had the house. Uh, it was the house that Kathy had been raised in most of her life, and she didn't really want to live in it anymore because there was a lot of bad memories in that house for her. She said, Don, I'd, I'd like to buy another house. What's wrong with this one? I mean, we're living in a rented shack in Grand Prairie where the wind blew right under the doors. I mean, it was a dirty old hole. And, and now we've got this nice house. There's one I know, but it's got all these memories and something like that. So I said, well, uh, yeah, okay, let's check it out. As, as it was in Fort McMurray at that time, the equities and the values of houses was climbing like on a daily basis, man. It was just, ex- just going like crazy. And uh, um, our, I, I knew this, uh, this realtor lady, and she said, I found a house for you guys. I found a, a really nice house for you guys. And, and uh, she told us how much it was. I said, well, that's way more than we can afford. Uh, she said, no, I think you should have a look at this. And, and it was about $30,000 more than we wanted to spend on a house. But I had my eye on this other house that was ideal for me. And Kathy wasn't too fussy about it. But it was in our price range. But it, it uh, went off the market, and we couldn't get it. And I said, oh, okay, well, I was disappointed. But you know, sometimes that's how God works, right? He'll stop things from happening. Anyway, we went and looked at this house. It was brand new. And it wasn't even finished being built yet. And it was $200,000. I thought, what? Now listen, a guy that's born on the streets and raised on the streets and runs with clubs doesn't see $200,000 anywhere. I mean, that's a, a phenomenal amount of money at that point in my life. Well, we can't even qualify for that. Oh, yeah, you probably can. Try it. Well, I'm pretty excited about having a brand new house. And when Kath and I walked into the place, although it wasn't quite finished, it was about 90%. We walked into the living room, eh, by the kitchen in the living room. And I looked at her, and I said, this is ours, isn't it? This is it. She said, yeah. Yeah, it's going to go. It's going to flow. The Lord's going to give us this house. He gave us that house. We bought that house. Not a problem. Just went through. Just like sign the papers. Go ahead. Here you go. Sold the other house, moved into that one, lived in it a couple years, not even a year, and it almost doubled in value. I'm serious, to 400 grand. We had all that equity. We bought another house, rented it out. Now we got money coming in. I got a synchrude job. We got a new truck. We got a new car. We got new bikes. We got holidays. We're living the life, man. Woo! It was great. I couldn't believe it. I'd, I'd go to, to church and I'd say, Pastor, this little street urchin, dirty-faced little kid that grew up to be a real rank biker, drug addict, criminal. Jesus picked him up and cleaned him up. He cleaned me up, man. I love Jesus for what he did. Because he died on the cross, I was able to be forgiven for my sins, and I got a clean sheet of paper. Even my real criminal record has been quashed. Not by Jesus, but... He gave me the wisdom to figure out how to do that. 
I got a clean, I'm a clean sheet of paper, man. I'm, 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 uh, I'm washed in the blood, washed in the blood of Jesus. So here's what you got to think about. I mean, if you'll do that for that guy, I mean, he was, if you'd have met me when I was in my 20s, you would not want to have anything to do with that. It was rude, it smelt bad, and it would hurt you if it got a chance. Rob you, rip you off. It was not worth much. And the change that came is standing here today, a father, a husband, a Christian that loves the Lord Jesus with his whole heart. I'll live and die for Jesus the rest of my life. And the relationship that I have with him, I pray for everybody to have that relationship that is tight. He said, if you're just lukewarm for me, I'll spew you from my mouth. When I read that, I went, whoa, man, I don't never want to be lukewarm for Jesus where he rejects me, and I want to go to heaven, man. I want to get into heaven. And, I mean, well, I know there's the argument that, you know, once saved, always saved. No, 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 no. Salvation is the first step of getting right with God. But after that, it's a, it's a walk in learning to hear and deal with what God has in place for you. He grows you. He'll bring challenges. He'll bring trouble. Life will have trouble. You'll have trials and tribulations in this life. But they create in you and make you into the person God needs you to be to stand up and say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is everything we need. Jesus wants you to have a hot, meaningful relationship with him. Rock tight. He wants to be right beside you through every phase of your life. He said, I will never leave you, and nobody will ever pluck you out of my hand. He is good for his promises. He is faithful to the word. The Bible has not got a lie in it. It is true, and every soul in this house needs to have a hot relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you very much, people. I'm, I'm in a position here just to say I, my heart is filled with love for everybody in this room. And Jesus is in this room with us right here, right now, today. And he wants, if there's anybody here, first of all, that has never had the opportunity or thought even about receiving Christ as their Savior to save you and give you the life you see, he's got a plan for everybody's life. He knows every one of us completely. He knew us before we were even born. And he's got a plan for your life, a plan for your life that he wants you to seek it and live in it. That's where the joy and the peace, that's where the fulfillment of life is, is with that, with that, with Jesus. So people, is there anybody here, and I don't, I'm not asking anybody to stand up. I mean, here's what I want to say. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, Kathy and I are going to be standing up here after I'm finished here, and I won't be long. I'm sorry. I know I'm taking quite a while. But this is important. You know, I'm not, I'm not up here for my benefit. I'm up here for, for Jesus and for you. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you come up to Kathy and I, and we'll pray you right into heaven, man. I mean it. He wants you to come. 
He's standing there with open arms, says, come in, my children, I love you. You're the apple of my eye. I need you to come to me. I love you so much, I died for you. God loves us so much that he gave his son that he could die for something like this, something like that. He loves us, no matter who we are, where we are, what it is. If there's some people here that have had a relationship with Jesus but it's gotten kind of cold, first I would encourage you to heat it up a little bit. Get to church, get with like-minded people, get into your prayer closet, get into the Word, start taking those things on. He took a wretch and he saved him. And uh, I'm here today to say I'm blessed and I'm very thankful for Jesus. Please consider accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and walk into the plan that he has for you with a great sense of love and obedience. Submit to Jesus and peace and joy is yours. God bless you folks. God bless you. Mm -hmm.